says, Jesus, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Please, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Jesus, I thank you for Lisa's story. And I thank you for the piece of scripture we just read that is part of David's story. And Jesus, I thank you that each of us enter in here this morning with a story of our own. A story of your grace and your mercy that you want to tell through our lives. The same way that you have told through Lisa's life and the same way that you have told through David's life in the scriptures. Father, I pray that you would meet with us here this morning. We all come in with all kinds of different stories, Lord. Stories of hurt, stories of shame, stories of joy, stories of happiness. Jesus, I pray that you would meet us wherever we're at. And that you would not leave us where we are, but you would take us forward as your people. Jesus, please speak to us this morning. Let us clearly hear your voice. And be broken where we need broken by your Spirit. To be renewed where we need to be renewed by your Spirit. To be challenged where we need challenged. To be encouraged where we need encouraged. To be used, Lord, the way that you want to use us. And that we would solely surrender to you. It's in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Last week we began a new series talking about stories and the stories that God is telling within each of our lives, the stories of His grace, the stories of His mercy, the stories of transformation that He wants to make within you and within me. Through this series, we've been looking at the life of David. Last week, we looked at one of David's, what he would call his best friend. And we talked about how we become like those that we are around and just how David 
would have exemplified the same characteristics that we saw within Jonathan. This week we're going to talk about David's story a little different way. And we're going to look at some of the mistakes that David made through his life. And I'm sure that that we sit here looking at some of the mistakes that maybe we have made within our lives. And I wanted to show this video of Lisa because I think it exemplifies a mistake that God had taken and used to create for his glory. To create a story that he that God told through Lisa's life to challenge us even here this morning. And we don't know how many other thousands of people that God has challenged through that story. The psalm that I read to you is a psalm that David wrote. Uh, David wrote that at the uh, at the height of, of realizing his sinfulness, of realizing some mistake that he had made in his life. He, he wrote it on the back end of, of his affair with Bathsheba. And just to give some background information for those that may not know, <clears throat> David was uh, was king of Israel, was God's chosen man to lead his people, to lead the Israelites. And David was a, was a man that was, was said in Scripture to be, uh, to have a heart after God, to want to pursue God, want to be used by God. And what we find within David's life was, yes, he was a man that wanted to be used by God, and God used him in great ways. We also find, though, that David was a man that had, had a troubled past and had, had messes within his life that God used for, for his glory. And one of those mistakes, one of those, one of those sins, was uh, was David? Uh, if you look in Second Samuel chapter eleven, it says that when the times when the kings would go off the war is how that passage starts. But it says that David stayed back. It's, it's interesting when you uh, when David stayed back, he went up to the rooftop, his rooftop, one late 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 one night, and as he went up there, he saw Bathsheba on another rooftop bathing, a beautiful woman, and. It's amazing when you go to the places you're not supposed to go, you you see the things you're not supposed to see, and you think about the things you're not supposed to think about, and you do the things that you're not supposed to do. And it's amazing that cycle that we see right here within David's life, and how he went to that rooftop, he saw Bathsheba, and and good old Dave thought, you know, this would be a great idea, let me have her come over to my place. And she came over to his place and, and they slept together. And, uh, she, she leaves after a one night stand and he gets word later that, wow, she's pregnant now. And so he's, he's faced with this dilemma. How do I cover up this sin? And what David did was he didn't come out and say, man, I really messed up. He came out. He said, you know what? Bring her husband home. And so he sent word to, uh, to the, to the, to, to the army fighting the battle and said, send Uriah home. So Uriah comes home. And he says, you know, tell me about the war. How's it going? And he says, go home. Spend some time with your wife. But Uriah actually has more integrity within the pinky of his finger than David had within his whole life at that point. Uriah didn't go home. Uriah said, you know, how can I go home and spend the luxuries of my home and the warmth of my bed and the luxuries of my wife when my men are out fighting in battle? So Uriah didn't go home. He slept in the streets that night. David got word that Uriah slept in the streets and David said, you know, if he's doing this, I can't peg, peg this on him later on. And so he said, he, he says, you know, have Uriah come back. And maybe if I get Uriah smashed enough, he'll go home that night and he'll sleep with his wife. So he gets Uriah, you know, come on over, bud. Let's party it up tonight. So Uriah comes over. 
He gets smashed for the night. But again, Uriah doesn't go to his home and he sleeps in the streets. So David gets wind of this again. He says, all right, send Uriah back to the battle. And he sends word ahead and he says uh, to the commander of the army, make sure you put Uriah in the front lines of the battle so that we are sure that he loses his life. And so that's what happened. Uriah faces the front front lines of the battle. Uriah dies to the enemy. Word comes back to, to David that, uh, that Uriah is now dead. And so David waits a few days for Bathsheba to mourn, and then David takes Bathsheba as his own wife to hide his sin. And so he's committing sin after sin, adultery and then murder, and then now he's walking into uh, polygamy. And, and, and David is trying to cover one sin after another through lies and deceit. And, and then it's amazing, God sends a friend of David named Nathan. And what's amazing is, is that our friends will know what to tell us when we need told something, right? Your true friends will know what to tell you. And so Nathan comes and he tells David a story about a sheep. And look look in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, you'll see the story about a sheep, but it brings David to a place of repentance where he realizes what he did was wrong. And he falls on his face. And he admits to God what he had did was wrong. And that's where this Psalm 51 comes out of. It's funny though, as we look at the life of David, we think, okay, David came to a place, he said, God, I am wrong for what I did, forgive me. And we think that, okay, everything's okay now. Well, we'll find out in weeks coming that not everything is okay. There are consequences for our sin. It amazes me how often that I run run across people that says, well, that should no longer have an effect on my life because I've taken that to God and God has forgiven me. That's not necessarily true. God has forgiven you absolutely, but there are consequences for the sins that we commit within our lifetime. And David is faced with those consequences throughout his life, as we'll later see. But David comes to a reality that many of us don't come to. And that is a reality of of realizing that I am the only one to blame for my sin and God is the only one to save from my sin. I am the only one to blame for my sin and God is the only one to save. That's a, a place that David comes to. Last year, I don't know if you remember, the biggest story in the media last year was what? Was Tiger Woods, right? This uh, past Thanksgiving, it was a year since he had wrecked his car. And then the months following, all this tabloid stuff came out about affair after affair after affair that Tiger had had. And so over this past year, Tiger has lost his marriage. He's lost a lot of respect within the golf world and within the media. But there's one thing that Tiger did that I, I believe that most of us don't do. There's one thing that Tiger did that that I want to challenge us with this morning. I want us this morning to get naked like Tiger did. Naked, Tiger got naked in the sense that he stood before everybody and he said, "What I did was wrong." Whether you believe him or not, you know whether maybe he did it for the for the media press, maybe he did it to to try to save himself from 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 his fans. Whatever you want to believe, the reason he did it, he did it. He stood before national TV and he said, what I did was wrong. 
many of us aren't willing to do that. Many of us would be in Tiger's situation and say, well, you know, it's my dad's fault. You know, he, he really didn't hug me enough growing up. <clears throat> or, you know, it's, it, it's a golf world's fault. There's so much pressure on me to, to, to play well. It, it, it's their fault. You know, he could say, you know, it's my wife's fault. She didn't pay enough ten- attention to me. And he didn't do any of that. He stood before national TV and he said, it's my fault. Now I look at Tiger and I see a man who needs Jesus. I see a man that, that's, that is willing to admit his mistakes. Now whether he's willing to say the only one that can save is Jesus, I don't know. But I want to be challenged as Tiger was challenged to say, I'm wrong. As Lisa said in the video, I was wrong. As David said in his psalm, I was wrong. And Jesus is the only one that can save. You know, it's easier to to criticize at times, isn't it? Have any of you guys... Let me ask you this. Do you guys remember gym class? Remember gym class? I I wasn't one that really liked gym class. But I think within everybody's gym class, there was this one dude that just like talked all the time, right? He was a guy that could could jump. He was a guy that could bench press the most. He was a guy that could dunk the basketball. He was the guy that, you know, could throw the football. Supposedly, lots of talk, right? But you never seen him do any of it, right? Uh, I was at a baseball game one time, and this kind of reminds me of this. It was when, I'm from up north, so it's when the Cleveland Indians were actually a good team. All right, They were actually going to the World Series a couple years in the late 90s, and it was like the highlight for, for uh, Northeast Ohio because we actually had a team that we could root for. But I remember going to a ball game with my dad, and I think it was out in right field of the great seats. Uh, the Jake, Jacobs Field was a, a great place to go watch a ball game. And we're sitting out in right field watching this ball game. And I, I'll remember they were playing the Detroit Tigers. And I don't know if any of you guys were baseball fans, but if you remember a guy named Cecil Fielder. Does anybody remember Cecil Fielder? Yeah, a couple of us. Okay. Well, Cecil Fielder was like their DH hitter. He was like a big dude, could just crank the ball. And really didn't have to run a whole lot because he would just power the ball over the wall and he'd just walk around the bases for a home run. Well, the guy that was sitting behind my dad and I didn't really like Detroit, obviously, didn't like Cecil Fielder, but he was ranting and raving. I mean, he was a, he was your typical guy at a sports game that didn't have a, 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 a glass of beer. He had like a pitcher of beer. And so he was gone long before the game began. And so he's he's hollering out at Cecil Fielder, and he's saying, you can't run! This dude couldn't sit. You know, he couldn't put his hands in his pockets because his belly got in the way because he had his plate of nachos and his pitcher of beer. And so he's ranting and raving to Cecil Fielder, you can't hit! You know, if Cecil Fielder hits a home run, you can't run! He couldn't even dream of running. Um, but do you re- you know those types of people, right? The critics. You know, it ma- it makes me think of uh, sports radio. Sports radio cracks me up. Sports radio, you have like these two most unfit guys in the world, right? They're the most unfit that you could ever think of, and they're they are critiquing the most fit guys and how they play, right? 
I, I, I wish that I was at a ball game listening to one of these guys rant and rave, and the running back would take the ball, walk up to the stadium, and say, here, you try it, right? And, and it shut the guy up. But these sports announcers critique the way these, these, these world-class athletes play the game, you know, well, you know, he really shouldn't scramble out of the pocket. You know, he, he should make sure that he stays in the pocket and, and just his stance when he throws the ball. But it's always these guys that are the most unfit telling these guys. And it's funny, they always have to have two because they're afraid that one of them is going to drop dead of a heart attack on the spot, right? And they're, they're afraid that, you know, as they talk, it's like they're, they're, they're whispering. It's like, <sighs> And he really had a hard time running. <laughs> right? It's almost like Darth Vader took over the radio station. But it amazes me that the critics, because it's easier to be a critic than it is to be a musician, right? It's easier to be a Monday morning quarterback than to actually be the quarterback. Right? You know, it's easier for me to sit at home and say, man, he shouldn't have threw that pick in the end zone last night than to actually be the guy out there on the field. You know, it, it's easier <clears throat> to be the referee than, than to be the guy in the game. But it's funny, what's funny, is that we often do that within the church. Right? We often do that within the church. Somebody walks in, like, like maybe Lisa walks in and she sits up here live and she tells her story. And we sit in these seats and we say, Man, that's one screwed up person. Wow. Can you believe she did that? Oh my goodness. But we don't come to the point of realizing that her sin is my sin in a lot of ways. You know, we, we critique the church. Say, man, there's all kinds of problems in that church. Yep, there is. Welcome, you're the latest. (laughs) When you're a church that wants to reach broken people, we will always be a church that's screwed up. My prayer is not, God, make us great people. My prayer is, God, use us in great ways to reach broken people. I don't know about you, but I know for me, there's messes, you know, the things we talked about last week. There's areas of sin, you know, and it doesn't even have to be anything major. But it's realizing that, you know what, I am as screwed up as Tiger Woods. I am as screwed up as Lisa Luby Ryan. I am as screwed up as David and that I can do those same things left to myself. The more aware we are that we could blow it, the less likely we are to blow it, right? The more aware you are that you could blow it tomorrow, the less likely you are to actually blow it. You know, the more aware I am that I could commit some of these same sins that we're talking about, the less likely I am to actually do it. If you, turn, turn, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 101. If you need a Bible, put your hand up. We would love to give you one. 
You can take that with you. Call that your Bible. Put your name in it. But I want you to follow along with me in Psalm 101. So we're going to look at the first couple verses. And I want to look at the difference between Psalm 101 and Psalm 51. They believe that David wrote Psalm 101 earlier in life. Okay, He was just a young guy, earlier in life. Psalm 101, verse 1, it says, I will sing of your love and justice to you. O Lord, I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? This is David talking to God. I will walk in my house with blameless heart. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate, they will not cling to me. As I read Psalm 101 and compare that to Psalm 51, I see a David in Psalm 101 that doesn't realize the height of his sinful capacity. He does not realize how he could really blow it. But as I read Psalm 51, I see a man who has blown it and realizes the depth of his sin. Look with me in verse uh, verse 5. It says, Surely I was sinful at birth. This is back in 51. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Do you see the difference in what David is saying? Psalm 51, David is saying, man, I am, I am wretched before God. Nothing I can do is right before God. I am only right before God because of Jesus Christ. And when God looks at me, He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus when He looks at me. That's what I see in Psalm 51. As I turn to Psalm 101, I see a man who says, God, you're amazing. Thank you for making me me. And I want to do anything I can to serve you, God. You see the difference, the contrast there? Let me ask you, can God use us more when we are broken before Him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can God use us more when we admit the messes in our lives? Absolutely. When we stand before people and we say, I am sinful beyond all measure. It is only by God's grace that I do what I do. It is only because God chose me that God has pursued me, that God has passionately pursued me. It is only the story of God's grace that I am who I am. My uh, my kids are funny. Uh, Malachi, uh, I call him the Mal Monster, and it's funny because Riley now calls him Mal Monster too. And, and it's not just you know a name. It's like wow, you know that, that that's funny. It, it's like no, he truly is Mal Monster because because he's just this little dude. If you don't know him, and, and he just runs crazy. You know how most kids when they get tired will just kind of like get cranky and lay down and like you know suck their thumb stuff like that. Right? Not Malachi. No, when Malachi gets tired, he literally runs between the couches of our house and bangs into the couches. You know, and he stands there and goes, Bah! You know, <clears throat> he, he honestly does that stuff. And some of you guys have been around you, you've seen him do it. And so we call him Mal Monster. But it, it kind of scares me a little bit because what I see in him, I, I remember in me. 
not, not, I, I don't know if I ran around the room and did some of those things, <clears throat> but I remember I was always injuring myself in some way. And so I look at Mal Monster and I say, man, if we don't teach this guy just how to calm down a little bit, he's going to come home with all kinds of injuries, right? <clears throat> I remember growing up, I had broken four bones, all right? Broken both of my wrists. Now, now the one injury, I, I have to say, it, it was pretty incredible. All right, it, it was amazing. It, it's one I'm proud of Be, because my my wrist went like this because I, I was I was racing my bicycle and I I, I was going to win, and so my front tire accidentally locked, and the other dude's back tire stopped me like right, like right there, stopped me on the spot. I flew over the handlebars. I don't know why they put tetherball pools in playgrounds. It doesn't make sense to me. They're like dangerous. They're in the way, right? Anyways, this tetherball pool, I'm literally like flying like Superman. I see this tetherball pool coming. I'm like, uh, that's probably not good. So I put my arm up to block my head. And, and, and afterwards, I messed my wrist up pretty bad. So that one I'm proud of. But you can't share these other ones with other people. Because one day I was walking. And I tripped over a tree stump and broke my other arm. <laughs> now, um, one day I was messing around with a friend and, and he kind of like just, you know, just kind of like shoved me a little bit, you know, like how friends do, at least guys do, right? They just kind of shove each other, chest bump stuff. And, uh, he shoved me a little bit. I, I fell to the ground, and broke my pinky thumb. Um, <clears throat> the other one, we were like in choir class and for some reason I jumped off the top shelf onto somebody's back. And I, and I broke my thumb. Um, but I didn't realize that was broken until like two weeks later. It's like, mom, my thumb still hurts, you know. So I, I look at, I look at Malachi and I'm like, you know, this could get a little dangerous, <laughs> get a little expensive, right? <laughs> I, I think it's what my mom prayed for, actually, which, which is not cool. Don't, don't pray that on your kids, you know, um, be, because it will come back. Um, but uh, but I remember one time I was supposed to get surgery done <clears throat> for, a, for a hernia. And in the same month that I was supposed to get the surgery, I had broken my arm and then I had fell, well, fell off my bike and got stitches. I still have a little scar. It's pretty cool. Um, but but I remember is like at that point, it was like, well, the doctors were like, Jesus, my parents are like beating me. It was like, no, seriously, he just does this all the time. Um, but I remember the doctors and it was like, you know, I was starting to get a little scared of doctors, right? Because the one broken arm, I mean, they had to like re-break it, you know, like two weeks later because it wasn't healing right, so they had to re-break it. I, I remember that as a kid. I was just a little dude, just screaming, you know. Um, I think they do things a little less barbaric now, but I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> and then I remember the stitches, you know, they get out this super big needle. It's probably like yay big, right? And they stick it through your, through, yeah, yeah. But, but I remember it was like, you know, I'm starting to get scared of doctors. I don't want to be around a doctor anymore, right? Right? Have you guys been in that situation? I just don't want to be around a doctor. But, but you see what we do then, we, we, we kind of do have the same fear within our sin, right? We, we have to choose whether do we want to look right or do we want to be all right? Does that make sense? We have to choose, do, like with, with the doctors, do I want to heal right? Or do I just want to look all right, you know? And luckily, the doctors made the wise decision and made me heal all right, even though it cost some pain on the beginning to start that healing process. But within our, our, our sin, we have the same 
decision to make. We have to choose, do I just want to walk in and look okay to everybody? Hey, I'm Mike. I'm here, guys. It's good to see you guys this week. You know, I'm doing okay. There's, there's no problems. Or do we want to be all right from the inside out? And to be all right from the inside out, we have to walk through a course that God takes us on. Just like Lisa here, she, she sits in front of her counselor and she says, I, I, I'm, I'm good now. I, I've dealt with everything. Thanks for your help, Joyce. And luckily, Joyce was praying and said, God, is there more? And God said, oh yeah, there's more. And I bet on the back end, Lisa is glad she walked through that process. Because through that process, God restored her. And God is telling her story. And of his story within her story of grace and mercy. But on the front end of walking into that, it had to be, she had to be scared to death. But she had to make a decision as we have to make a decision, as David had to make a decision. Do I want to look all right? Or do I really want to be right? I personally get excited when when I hear the simple places that people have been. I know that might sound kind of morbid. It's like, dude, are you all right, man? I get excited because I know what God does with that and can do with that if we allow him. Because I know for myself, I am not the same person I was. God grabbed a hold of me and changed me from the inside out. It hurt. You better believe it hurt. Just like the beginning, the doctors re-breaking my arm. It hurt. But now I'm okay today. And as we go to God, it hurts. It's scary. It's unknown. It's uncertain, as we talked about last week. But with God's grace, He can do a miracle within that. So repentance begins when I want to be all right and not just look right. So I don't know where we walk in this week from. I don't know where we walk in to 2011 from 2010. I don't know past stories. But I do know that God wants to take that story and do an incredible work within your life. And I do know from experience that it can be scary. And it's scary for several reasons. One, we're afraid to be found out by other people, right? We're afraid, you know, if I walk in and if I tell my story, what are they going to say about me? And, you know, let me tell you something with that. That is not on you. That is on them. If they if they will sit and be critical of what God is doing in your life, that is not on you, that is on them. Because God has something He wants to do in that. 
that will blow us away. That will blow you away, but it will blow those away that are around you because they will witness firsthand God's grace and God's mercy and God's loving pursuit of each of us and how God doesn't see us. He sees Jesus through us. He sees the blood of Christ on us, the payment for whatever that was, whatever it is. God doesn't mess around. You know, so so there's the fear that we may not want to to move into the light, you know, because we're afraid of what those around us will say. And some of us enter in with a legitimate fear of, you know, it's not so much that, it's what is God going to do with me? Let me let me let me tell you something. God doesn't want to beat you to death. He wants to raise you to life. God doesn't want to beat you to death because of who you are, where you've been, and what you've done. God wants to raise you to life and use those as a testimony, as a tower of who He is. But it all starts with honestly getting naked like Tiger and saying, I did this, and I was wrong, God. Forgive me. I did this, and look how God is healing me, and how God wants to use me. I believe God used David more after Psalm 51 than before. Because he brought David to a place where he realized his own sinfulness. And my guess is from that point, David knew how much he could blow it. It is my prayer that Awaken becomes a church that is known for the messes. Not because people are wildly running away from God, but because people are wildly running towards God and saying, God, heal me. I'm broken. I've been places I shouldn't have been. I've seen things I shouldn't have seen. I've thought things I shouldn't have thought. And I've done things I shouldn't have done. Jesus, please make me new. And that God will take that and use it as a testimony, as a story of His grace and His mercy. Here in a minute, the worship band is going to come up. And lead us in a couple songs. And I, I want to encourage you to use that time to, to go before God. And to say, God, break me. Use me. Show me. Clarify within me. 
where I have gone wrong. And Jesus, show me the next step. Don't, don't look steps ahead. Look at the next step and say, Jesus, what is the next step from here? Jesus, do you just want me to get <clears throat> in community and heal through community? Maybe it's, it maybe has nothing to do with sharing your past at this point, but maybe it's just getting in community and being around other people that can be an encouragement and a challenge to us to continue our pursuit of God. Maybe it's saying, you know what, I need to be in the Scriptures. I need to be reading God's Word to allow the truth to change the lie that, that, that is within, within me. Maybe it's, I need to spend more time praying to God. And I'm not saying just talking to God or at God. I'm saying praying, having a conversation with the God of the universe where He speaks back to us and He heals us from the inside out. I don't know what the next step is for you, but I just want to challenge you, please, please, with, with, from, from the bottom of my heart, with all that I have, please take that next step. Because I've seen what God does with that step and how God multiplies it. Lord Jesus, Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. How you love us despite ourselves. Jesus, I I thank you that within, within you we are free. And Jesus, I pray that you would free us of the bondage of sin that, that you don't lay on us that we hold on to. And Jesus, help us to willingly let go of that to you, Lord. And Jesus, help us to forgive ourselves and help us to seek you for forgiveness and to repent, to truly turn away from whatever that is, Lord, and run hard and fast after you. And Jesus, we know that sitting here this morning, this is just the beginning for some of us in this. This is not the the beginning, the middle, and the end. This is not the closing chapter. This is the opening introduction. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would challenge us in such a way that we would pursue a course of healing from this point on. Lord, if I can be a part of that, please help me to be able to give godly wisdom and, and, and direct people to somebody that can take them even further. Lord Jesus, um, I, I pray that you would use your word to heal and restore. And Jesus, I pray most of all that you would help us to see the hope of what you can still do within our life. And that that, Lord, can be a story, the greatest story that you could ever tell in our life of your transformation within us, of your grace and your mercy. It's in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.